0: What is that direct fear? Is it the chaos that I fear? Is it just the unknown that I fear? Really getting specific about that and where that exists in your body can really help to start to expand that, that tolerance window so that you can build evidence that you are an adaptable being.
1: That's Morgan Star restis She is a therapist, also trained in psychedelic-assisted therapy. And she teaches a practice she developed called the seven centers practice, which integrates Western psychology and Eastern philosophy. You'll hear lots more about the seven centers practice, which is based on the chakra system in our conversation coming up here. And more from the more Western perspective too, with phrases like regulated nervous system and having the prefrontal cortex of the brain engaged. As you heard Morgan alluding to in the clip I just played, we talk about climate crisis and possible collapse and catastrophe, and what we can do to meet that reality as our most whole, well selves, living lives we can feel as good as possible about. I think you'll appreciate hearing Morgan walk through the seven centers in response to my imaginary young architecture student i said was coming to her for help in coping with such uncertainty and even dread about the future and speaking of the future and how we meet it be sure to come to the show notes for this episode at turningseason.com/episode13 for links to the resources page where i'm highlighting a couple of new organizations for you to check out spread the word, make a financial contribution, or support however suits you. I've been thinking more recently about not only the three dimensions of the great turning, which I've talked about several times on the show, the holding actions to prevent or slow damage to life on earth, the dimension of developing life-sustaining systems, and then the dimension of shifts in consciousness, The ways we need to change our thinking to maintain a life-honoring way of doing things. To also now thinking about the four R's of the deep adaptation framework, which are resilience, relinquishment, restoration, and reconciliation. I feel that the organizations I'm introducing you to on the resources page are involved in those three dimensions and those four R's in their own different ways. One I'm highlighting right now is CAMFED, the Campaign for Female Education. In their words, we get girls into school, help them to learn, support them to succeed, and unlock their power to lead. CAMFED serves girls and young women in impoverished districts in rural sub-Saharan Africa, tackling the pressing and interlinked challenges of poverty and gender that limit their education and opportunity. We see girls' education as the foundation for social justice, women's leadership, economic development, and climate action. I came across CAMFED because Fiona Mavinga, Executive Advisor for CAMFED, is also on the Advisory Council for Drawdown Lift. You may be familiar with Project Drawdown, which is dedicated to drawing down greenhouse gases from the atmosphere to hopefully prevent catastrophic climate change, in their words, as quickly, safely, and equitably as possible. And Drawdown Lift is one aspect of Project Drawdown, which they describe as working to deepen collective understanding of the links between climate change solutions and poverty alleviation, both of those organizations and all the ways they serve could use more support, and you can find them through the show notes at turningseason.com/episode13. And you'll also find links there to Morgan's website and to her Instagram feed, which is full of supportive content and fun to follow. Okay, thank you for being here, and enjoy this conversation with Morgan Star Riestas. You're listening to Turning Season Podcast. I'm your host, Leilani Navarre, here with your dedicated dose of active hope. I'm delighted to bring you these conversations with the inspired individuals who are collectively shifting us to a life-sustaining society. You'll hear from all kinds of healers and change makers playing their unique part in the great turning. From healing personal trauma to visionary thinking, decolonization to building composting toilets new innovations to bridging social divides there are thousands of reasons and ways to participate keep listening to find out more of what's being done already and what's possible subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening and come to turningseason.com to connect my guest today is Morgan Starr-Ristis. She's the founder of Mind Sci Guidance. She's dedicated to the holistic development of our mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual so that we can have healthier, happier people and communities around the globe. Morgan has a bachelor's degree in cognitive neuroscience, human biology, and wellness, and a master's in clinical mental health with an emphasis in somatic therapy. She's currently getting certified as a psychedelic-assisted therapy provider from Integrative Psychiatry Institute, and she's creator of the Seven Centers Practice and Course. Welcome, Morgan. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Ilani. It's great to be here. Thanks. I'm going to start out by asking you these favorite open sentences from the work that reconnects and just invite you to finish the sentences, however comes to you. So the first one is, some things I love about being alive on earth are?
0: Mm, This is a great question. Well, the things that keep me alive and my favorite things about being alive are laughter and heart connection. Those are my two Mm. ones that I always go back to if I'm ever in a dark space. Those are ones that really guide my compass. Beautiful. And how
1: about when I look around at what's happening in the world, what breaks my heart is?
0: Whew, there can be so much that can hurt. Um, Say my top answer right now is really a lack in leadership that I can look up to as a younger person in the world. And yeah, people that I can really see who are making decisions currently that are really leading the world and consciousness in a place that I feel like I can get behind and support. I think that that really breaks my heart, because I see, yeah, just without leadership, I think that the the world gets really down and, and feels like there isn't hope. We need that sort of figurehead in some ways to play the role of here's where we're going. And a lot of where I see where we're going is very, um, you know, from the work of Bill Plotkin, very egocentric, right, versus the ecocentric. And, yeah, I'd say that that, that can get me down. Um, however, you know, with that, I feel like that's where some of the fire of my passion comes from, is that, okay, if I don't see the leaders, then how can I be that? And how can I step into that role myself in whatever way? How can I make sure that whenever the baton is passed to me, that I can step into that, um, whatever the world does need. And, and yeah, hope that that answered the question.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I, I really appreciate that answer. I hear you. And I also have never quite thought of it that way or felt it in that way. So I appreciate you sharing that. I think um, what you're, what I'm feeling in myself as I hear your words is I don't think of myself as a cynical person at all, but that Mm -hmm. I've been cynical enough to not be disappointed by lack of leadership because my expectations are so low. And Mm. so hearing you let that break your heart makes me see, you know, uh, that there is, that there could be a longing within me too for leadership that I would be so glad and excited and grateful Mm. to get behind. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that be beautiful? (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, you know, this got sparked in me because I watched, it was a Netflix uh, movie about a man that had climbed 14 of the tallest peaks in the world, Nims Persia. And I just watched this man light up a room. And yes, of course it's still, you know, climbing mountains, but he really shows this quality of a leader of you know there's this heart and it's not just charisma and who can make the most money and it's this um, compassion and very heart-centered space to which he functions from that is inspiring and um yeah I think that that breaks my heart to to almost see the lack of of humanity in some ways that or maybe the best parts of humanity that that I don't see in in who's making decisions a lot of the time in the world and especially as being a young person you know I think that that's a really important role that we're looking toward um, elders to make decisions and I think that that is a real heartbreaking part of reality right now is that a lot of the decisions I've been seeing made whether it's war or how we you know function you know as an overarching financial or food or there's so many topics, right. That can just say, who's leading the ship. And yeah, it can be, it can be hard to feel that, that money and some more mechanical foundations are maybe the, the guiding factors versus that human heart. Um, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. So building on that, I want to ask you about The three stories of our time. And I'm hearing you, you know, mention in, in both of these answers a lot about that heart space. And yeah, I want to hear more from your heart and, and what you connect with in terms of, I'll just share the three stories again for anyone who hasn't, who isn't familiar with these. These are originally described by Joanna Macy as three different stories that human beings can believe we're living out right now and actually all three stories are real and all three are happening because there are people living out each of them Mm -hmm. and the first would be business as usual carrying on basically as we have been with the same values that have led conventional industrial growth society for decades and centuries And the second story is The Great Unraveling, which a lot of especially young people are crying out about in the way that everything looks like it's falling apart. System collapse, species extinction, climate crisis, etc. And the third story that we might be living in is an adventure story called The Great Turning, where we're at a moment of profound shift into a life-sustaining way Of being human on planet earth. So where do you find yourself in those three stories? How are you relating to those
0: stories right now in your life? Hmm. Yeah, they're all very active. I like that you said that they're all simultaneously existing right in the collective consciousness I see myself in all three of the stories I am currently running a business and help people within the business as usual and my perspective from that is to essentially heal from within the business and using a lot of the structure that we already have that is going right to bring about you know conscious unraveling it's almost like if you know the threads of a tapestry were unraveling hopefully we can pick them up and consciously weave them into something that feels of intention that we utilize a lot of the things that we do have collectively as a society that we've built together like food systems and you know uh, disaster relief support and things that are really helpful um, using those as productive ways to transition into a more sustainable future for everyone and a lot of my work is in helping people stay regulated within that unraveling because like you said these stories are each simultaneously happening on both a micro individual level and also on a macro level right as a society so a lot of my work is helping people stay regulated within the unraveling of what they know and into something new and into something hopefully that is more intentionally focused versus a complete collapse um you know i think of the the quote that i'll paraphrase but it's something along the lines of when children do not feel the support of the structure that's around them they're going to burn it in order to feel the warmth and so i feel a lot of people in my generation and maybe outside of that as well feeling like not wanting the business as usual to exist anymore and almost want to catalyze it to burn it down as a way to move into the adventure, the great turning. And I think my biggest fear is around that and not using it as an intentional stepping stone or, you know, not taking those threads of the unraveling and intentionally weaving it into what we want. I worry that that will actually collectively send us into a place of significant chaos and, um, not allowing for our nervous systems, you know, a collective nervous system to stay regulated and, and move forward with a peaceful intentional into a peaceful, intentional place. So that's those are some of the thoughts that come up for me around the, the three stories and sort of my role within it. It's really just to help take what we have, make it better and also stay regulated through the unraveling that is that is happening in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, that speaks to so much. I love your imagery of unraveling a tapestry with some intention, where to where we still have a hold on the threads and can reweave from there because like you're mentioning disaster relief and that image of a child burning the structure down to feel the warmth. You know, when things are burning down, when things if things truly collapse in a chaotic way, there's so much potential there for immense suffering. There already is immense suffering going on, on the, around the world. And the immensity could be even a scale we've never seen before with a, a bigger collapse and threads that could help us transition and could help us do so with more regulated nervous systems, as you're saying, or just more human decency and survival and you know, lack of, of um, such injury and death and is is if we hold on to some of these threads that, that serve us in better and worse times. Joanna Macy talks sometimes about the rough weather networks that we're building mm. in all these different types of work. You know, some people feel more hopeful about the great turning than before and some people feel like we're going to have to go into a much darker time before the new systems of life really begin to emerge. And so we need those rough weather networks. And I think some of what you were speaking to was how we have actually a lot of infrastructure for rough weather, for weathering rough times right now. And um, I, I would love to hear more about how you're helping people stay regulated and maybe even what you mean by that for listeners who aren't familiar with that term, as far as both the personal nervous system you said and more collectively and in a community sense, what, what is a regulated nervous system and how do we do that?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what comes up for me, just for everyone listening on a basic brain structure, you know, the ways that we've evolved throughout time is we all often hear of the fight, flight, freeze. And, you know, there's also fawn in there as well as ways that we react from a nervous system that is in a dangerous situation, right? We've learned through evolution, and this is a very important function we want to keep intact, that if we're in danger, everything else, you know, the logic and the relationships that we've learned through our limbic system and prefrontal cortex, it just shuts off, it turns off. Um, I don't know if you've ever been in an argument with someone and rationale is not working anymore, and even the relationship aspect of your brain, you know, the limbic system part, shuts down because this is the most basic needs of our survival instinct that that comes online at this point and often whenever we are functioning from a place of dysregulation this is what's happening right we fight flight freeze or fawn and we have evolved over time once we became mammals and we created a mammalian brain which is the limbic system created a lot more empathy and connection with each other. And then on top of that, have a a frontal cortex that allows us to think abstractly, come up with solutions, but these essentially build upon each other and we don't have the access to our prefrontal cortex to stay self-aware, or at least to the level that we know in our current uh, cushion of society a little bit, um, whenever we are in a dysregulated place. And so often trauma can affect this, you know, places us into a place of a frightened fear state. And in order to stay regulated, I'd say for anyone listening, everyone's nervous system is going to be different. So I'll talk a little bit about um, getting to know your own internal system through a structure that I've built. But something that can be a blanket statement to most people is bilateral stimulation. So this is a technique that it's a big science word, right? But it means just activating both sides of your brain. And this allows for your nervous system to essentially be present with what is actually happening than maybe some being with some traumatic material that it's getting brought up and threatened by. Um, So you can activate bilateral stimulation through moving both sides of your body whether this is going on a walk, that's your left and right side of your body, or for some people it's knitting, right? Using both of your hands, doing something or weeding with both hands in the garden, or, uh, you know, even writing with your left and right hand. It really just starts to do some magic in our nervous systems to get us more present and aware of what is currently happening. I'd say that If bilateral stimulation is not accessible to you in the moment, that is one of the things is being present with what is currently happening. Because oftentimes we, our nervous system is frightened from a place of, it's almost like the alarm bells are going off, or I like to use the analogy of a guard dog barking, right? Oftentimes, There isn't really anything outside when a dog starts barking, or maybe there's a rabbit, but it's not anything to be actually afraid of or needs that much barking. And so our nervous systems do the same thing. Sometimes we might have a memory that shows up or an association we've made with our parents that weren't very nice to us growing up. And this will activate our nervous system as if it is happening. In the moment that we're in actual danger and so what regulation looks like to a dysregulated nervous system is essentially being able to consciously soothe that guard dog it's saying hey i have all this evidence in my present moment to apply to this guard dog and, and give some pets and say hey there's nothing out there it's okay we are safe um, and so this can be accomplished through a combination of this bilateral stimulation as well as present awareness. And that can be as simple as this is the time, this is the date, this is my space. I'm really honing into that. And like I said, everyone's nervous system is going to be different. And so through a lot of my work that I do with individual clients as well as groups and a group practice and course that I've created is working through the chakra system And I do that in a way that really combines a lot of the best of Western psychology and the best of Eastern philosophy. Because a lot of what I've found is that when you talk about chakras and energy centers, it can get so wooey and ungrounded that I think that the meaning of it and the application of it can get lost. Um, And so whenever I help people get to know their unique systems, we're going through the um, themes that it takes in order to regulate your entire nervous system, right? It's not just the focus on the mind, which I think there's some real benefits that Western psychology has brought to us in understanding on a scientific quantifiable level, what our nervous systems do and what we need to do to help them. And a lot of it's so focused on the mind And then sometimes the mind body connection, but there's still this sort of separate consciousness that we learn uh, through a westernized way of of thinking and sort of this treatment model that's been creating in the Western world. So creating a combination and a supplementation with an Eastern philosophy of, of checking in, you know, for example, with the root and the base chakra, we're looking at what is our physical being doing right now? what is my physical safety like what is my physical space like what is my relationship with my physical being like and then we can go up the entire system and start to check in with our creativity and our our abilities to relate with other people or our assertion and abilities to get goals done and then it sort of uses as an intentional framework to not only stay regulated and kind of become a master of your own regulation, but go up and beyond um, that into a more thriving place.
1: Awesome. It sounds like a really helpful map too, that you're using by, you, you know, using, you're using some of the, these Western psychological terms, but also the, the anatomy of the chakra system, you know, moving up through those seven centers to talk about these different aspects of our experience. It sounds inherently more whole by, by touching in with all of those. So what would an example be? Maybe we could tie back to what we've been talking about here with, you know, you mentioned feeling the pain around lack of leadership and awareness of the great unraveling and people, especially in your generation. Although I know it's, you know, it's been a sentiment for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, of like, let's burn this thing down. Let's get it over with uh, and see it collapse just so we can have the new. Um, If you're working with someone who is dealing with pain and stress and fear around the possibility of collapse or just looking ahead at the future and feeling like it's pretty bleak, how might you connect that in with your seven centers practice or some of these things you've been talking about with bilateral stimulation maybe just one example i know that's a pretty broad situation someone upset about the state of the world but if you have any examples of like how that might show up in somebody and and what they might do
0: sure yeah so it's different for everyone as you said and it's hard to make a cookie cutter thing because everyone is so unique however there is a lot of existential dread that i see in clients because a lot of people just don't know what to do and so i'd say that the best advice i can give in more of a a blanket statement um, sort of way is to really start to expand your window of tolerance and i mean by practicing understanding what it is that triggers or you know what is that direct fear is it the chaos that i fear is it just the unknown that i fear really getting specific about that and where that exists in your body can really help to start to expand and help you recognize what ways we can expand that that tolerance window so that you can build evidence that you are an adaptable being that you can you know it's most likely not all going to happen at once right it's it's a certain progressive thing and the fact that we have built a nervous system <laughs> as intricate and beautiful as it is it's almost like learning your own what your own intricacies are so that you can start to expand your body of evidence to say hey i've gotten through this and this and this and this before right and um, i wish i could be more specific with you know an example of of um, you know, to use through the, uh, through the seven centers practice, but it's really hard to do without kind of knowing the, the topic of what someone in particular would be dealing with since everyone's so intricate.
1: Yeah. Well, if you're game, maybe I'll, I'll make up a more specific example for you and we could see where, where it goes. Okay. So let's say that I'm supposed to graduate college next year. And I've always wanted to go into architecture, let's say. And I I think it's beautiful. I think it's fascinating. I think I'd be really good at it. But I'm also looking ahead and feeling like everything from whether there's going to be enough food on the planet in the next 10 years to go around, to whether extreme weather is going to destroy the place where I live, Mm -hmm. to whether the economy is going to support An architect like maybe everything's going to collapse to the point that what i care about and what i've been studying is irrelevant Mm. and i'm questioning whether to
0: even keep trying Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah those are a lot of really big questions and that's that's when you start to feel your nervous system shutting down look how much is going wrong look at the potential of what could happen things look really bad right? And so then we start going into fight, flight, freeze. So my work is to say, how can we stay with our prefrontal cortexes on and look at what resources we have internally, right? What ways can we use our conscious awareness to help evolve our systems to adjust to whatever those situations will be? So so for example, if we were to just kind of scan up the chakra system with that particular, you know, uh, example, So let's check in with the root, right? We have physical fears. What can we do to address that? Maybe we don't have a example of, you know, we don't have the exact situation that we can respond to, but we can assure, okay, what are the things that we need for physical safety? Can, and then what are my resources that I can use to get toward that? Do I need to start gardening more consistently so I know how to grow food? Do I need to spend more time around animals so that I understand what it's like to, you know, be in a space of a more farming situation? Do I, you know, and kind of go along the lines of what do I need in my own unique system to feel physical safety? Mm -hmm. Then we can kind of go up into the sacral, look at what creative outlets do we have that we can essentially brainstorm? What do we need to do to you know, what am I passionate about that could contribute to this cause or whatever my fears are, or um, what ways can I stay regulated and use my resources around my sexuality, around my passion and desires, right? And kind of using these all as a model to orient myself to what is possible and how can I bring that into reality If this is something that's crippling me, maybe it is that I need to use my solar plexus to create a very tactful, uh, you know, from point A to point B, this is my my plan. Maybe I need to assert myself in different ways that I'm not, or else I'll start feeling helpless in this or feel apathetic toward this. I feel a lot of people are getting into more underactive solar plexus places because we don't know what to do. And so we just start shutting down. And if we keep going up, you know, where's that heart connection? Can I start trusting that other people will be there in this same position and that there's goodness in the hearts of people and that there will be a collaborative process no matter what? And even though there's that unknown, what ways can I assure that my heart is open to and balanced within my own system to know that I'm going to be there for other people too? And essentially having that be part of your evidence base to say, hey, I am adaptable. Hey, this this has happened throughout my ancestral lineage that we've gone through the ice age at one point, right? It's almost like connecting with this central part of our system to say what has happened in the past and can that carry on through the future? You know, and then we come up to the throat and see what ways we can communicate that. Maybe this is things that you need to share with your family. These are worries that I have, here's my plan or here's my passions or whatever you've created through that, that other scan through the system. And maybe this even looks like expressing this to political figures that you're saying this is enough, or maybe it means that you're starting to create a forum or a community uh, through expressing this worry or whatever it is that you're starting to move beyond it just being with yourself on your own internal system, but having that expression outward. And a lot of this can be paired with the third eye, you know, helping create a vision of what would we rather have versus collapse? Because I don't think that that's the only option. I think it's a potential, but what else can we use with our prefrontal cortex online and the combination of all the things I talked about without throughout the rest of the system? How can we envision the world, what we want through a conscious evolutionary place? that's the beauty of where we are in today's world in a lot of ways is that we've evolved to have a prefrontal cortex that allows us to imagine and then create with all of the resources this is kind of the healing from within the business as usual like how can we use what we have to envision a world that doesn't mean great collapse or environmental issue you know all these things and then lastly crown what is my relationship like with Spirit, or what I consider to be God or a higher power. For some people, that's the planet. It doesn't have to be a doctrine necessarily. It's this connection with whatever is greater than me. What am I part of that is bigger? And a lot of the times, this can take away some of the existential dread because it feels like, wow, okay, I'm here for a reason. Maybe I've chosen to be here on this planet at this time. Maybe I do have support that feels a little bit magical. You know, it's like, it's not quite as dread based as sometimes what the body and the uh, amygdala you know the brain stem can feel when it gets into that dysregulated place and so with the combination of keeping our entire system online communicating with each other and the relationships that each of these centers have with each other the more and more we do that the more that i feel that we can consciously evolve our species and consciousness as an individual but i also think that ripples out into our communities and collective society. So I hope that, that was a okay answer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely. It's beautiful. I love imagining this, you know, alter ego that I created of a young woman who loves architecture, receiving that and walking that journey mm. with you. And I'm sure that, you know, it, it would be a process for each one of those centers, but it really does feel so holistic to be thinking you know, everywhere from physical safety and practical skills to that sense of personal capacity to do, to make a plan. I was really touched when you came to the heart center and talked about what would it take for me to trust that we'll be in this together and that I'll be able to show up for people and that people will, will be there with me, you know, and then coming all the way up to these different ways that, because through the centers, you know, I heard you bringing in family and political leaders and creativity and spiritual connection and just all these aspects of our lives that are so often, like you said, left out of what could have been a very narrow-minded psychological take on this person's Mm -hmm. existential fear.
0: Yeah,
1: And I, I love imagining the potential too of You know, this imagined person and so many other young people who are a little bit on that edge of um, how invested do I want to be in the future? Mm -hmm. And in going through a process like what you're doing with people, feeling more alive and more ready to show up for the present and for the future feels really hopeful to me.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I feel being in this work myself and having gone through my own healing. And currently, every, you know, we're still doing it, right? It's not that if you're a healer yourself that you're just enlightened and healed. We're human, right? And so, throughout this process and experiencing being human, I've recognized that there are shortcomings in our modern day psychological model of treatment. And a lot of it is really hard to accomplish real change and, you know, actually having that full system, full being, wellness when we go and sit and talk with someone for an hour once a week and you know being in that practice myself it's really hard to fit all of that in so I think that the real key to this is having a practice that you can dedicate time each day to each of these centers to get to know over a period of time versus a quick fix sort of thing Um, and I also feel it's really important in order to heal and to feel prepared like you were saying to act you know in a way that is more conscious we need the support of community and whether that's our family or whether that's a group space you know that i help, help host it's something that who else is doing this oh my gosh there's a bunch of other t- people doing this this betterment work oh there's a bunch of other people that i do feel connected that are consciously having this conversation Oh, I don't feel as alone and as I don't feel as much existential dread or whatever it is because I recognize that other people are in this with me. And I think that that's huge is that a lot of our world right now, it feels so separate, right? A lot of people, especially with the pandemic and not working in close quarters anymore, and even having this this physical, if we're going down into the root and base chakra, we've even distanced ourselves physically, you know, six feet. I've noticed that um, we don't hug anymore. We don't have that physical contact. So there's just a lot that we can be looking at of how what's the vision for the future, even in healing ourselves, being ready for this next step. How can we become more and more aware of ourselves, both within a community container, as well as a holistic framework that that helps us evolve because we are complex beings. And I don't think that we can do it as much as I do think that uh, therapy, traditional westernized therapy, is very helpful, I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't think so. I think that there needs to be supplemental things that helps to engage our full being to, to truly be ready for a lot of what we have ahead of us, whether that's full collapse or whether that's taking those threads from the tapestry and intentionally weaving it. I think we need, we need this kind of work either way. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, and I'm sure it's, it's resonating with a lot of people who've had, who've had some of that more conventional Western um, psychotherapy, you know, that there's this, this type of wholeness within the individual and also the wholeness of community, the things that don't happen when you're just talking one-on-one to somebody that do happen when you can look around the circle and see who's, who's in it with you. So I love that you do a lot of group work. I do that as well. And, and there is so much good medicine and good healing just in being witnessed and in witnessing other people in circle. Mm.
0: Definitely. Especially in a world that we edit and filter and show our highlights to. Being witnessed is such a gift to be seen just in our wholeness, right? Yes. It can be really scary and threatening in some ways. And it Mm -hmm. can be such a gift to be seen just how you are and have someone nod and say, Yeah, that's okay. I'm here for you. Yep.
1: And what do you think about back to the nervous system states? the sense of urgency that a lot of people have around activism. I mean, I think that's always been true of activism, but right now around climate crisis, we have this timeline that's been given to us of the next eight ish years to really profoundly change the way we're doing things. Mm -hmm. And so I think that a lot of activists are in that hyper aroused state of fight primarily, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't think, I think activism is more a fight than a freeze or flight or fawn type of response. And, and I wonder, you know, that, that might serve us if it really were something we could just band together and, uh, fight against the threat or build the dam that we need to build or something where it actually had like an end point But to imagine being in that fight state for years, even for weeks, Mm -hmm. is I'm just wondering how effective we can really be and what other way there might be to sustain that sense of timeliness, but not be truly burning ourselves out and and being dysregulated and making ourselves doing it in an unsustainable way for our own little, you know, personal and community ecosystems.
0: Mm. Yeah, my brain went in so many different directions during you saying that because Uh they're complex, complex things. And I I would be foolish to say I have all the answers with it. Whenever you started talking about activists, so many of the people that I work with that are in that place have so much fire, you know, in their sacrals and and solar plexus that it actually becomes so overactive that the rest of your system gets fried. and, And maybe you do start to have underactive other centers that, mm. that maybe maybe our vision gets blurred because we're so act overactive in our action that it becomes like blinders right it's like a, and like i said I, it's hard to answer this because it's so complex like i want there to be answers that we can say here's exactly what you do and i think that is really important that a lot of this activism work is happening so it's more of how can we continue to uh, regulate our entire nervous system so that we keep our prefrontal cortex online. Because I think a lot of what we do whenever we start getting in that fight state, we get so angry and so fried. <laughs> you know, it's hard to sustain that place. And really, what we need is people that are going to be um, regulated throughout this whole process. Because I think that it actually hurts in some ways to have people. Um, speak to some of these topics in a really irrational way that is, are not irrational, like that there's not things backing it, but that it's coming from a fight place because it's hard to be heard, right? It's, it's hard for the other side. Um, I wish you could see my hands right now, but it's like when two different nervous systems are in that fight place, you're just going to keep getting more fight. Where if someone shows up to a fight that you know, is regulated, that that's where negotiation can happen. And I think that there are people, especially in high seats of oil companies and um, companies that have uh, deep pockets that um, are influencing a lot of the political movement and decisions on a global scale. I think that those are some of the people that essentially need to have very uh, regulated nervous systems so that there can be some rationalizing with and negotiation with and i wish you know this is part of the it's just difficult because i wish that there was something that said okay let's go to this person and this person and change their mind and it's really hard to yeah as you know it's, it's sort of where do you go from there and so whenever i keep coming back to it it says take care of your own consciousness take care of your own system and that is going to be a ripple effect you will be a beacon and an anchor (laughs) in the change for whatever whatever that change looks like because in some ways to be honest i do feel through seeing the world and kind of seeing how humans work is that we respond in a reactionary way and um a lot of this activism is a reaction to something, and I and I wonder if if we'll need a bigger reaction for more uh, trickle effects to happen. So, um, yeah, my brain goes a different, many different ways with that, and I'd say that the best guidance that I could give is to keep staying regulated, so that we can, when the opportunity arises, we are able to have regulated negotiations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I
1: like, I know I didn't get to hear them all, but I like all the directions that you went that you shared because just the the way that you've been, you keep circling back to this thought that we're all different and and every situation is a little bit different and the nervous system is intricate and complex. And so to make some blanket statement about all activists or being in a flight state or fight state, rather um, we can't really do that. But what you said about personally staying in a place where the prefrontal cortex can be involved. That, that just feels really sound and anchoring to me that that's going to mean something a little bit different for different people. You know, some people can burn a really hot fire and, mm. and fight for a long time and actually still have their prefrontal cortex totally Definitely, there, Yeah. You know? And, and if someone is engaged in activism, but they find themselves burning out and they can't sleep or they're crying all the time.
0: Mm-hmm
1: you know, knowing that, okay, something can shift here. I I have an opportunity to shift into a more regulated place where I will actually be so much more functional in what I'm driven to do, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, and it, and it is going to be different for everybody. So Mm -hmm. thank you for being so uh, rooted in that knowing that we're all very different and it's, we have to do what's right for each of us.
0: Mm-hmm. And we need all of our centers on board. We need our own individual internal teams assembled and ready to go <laughs> at mm-hmm. any point, right? And so that's where the internal work comes from. I think a lot of this activism becomes so external that it's, it becomes a fight with what is outside of us. And I wonder what ways that can be directed inward, because that's where the empowerment is going to come from. And I think that that's where a lot of the true change externally that's where, that's where it starts. And it feels so paradoxical, but oftentimes the biggest truths are. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) Paradox, get used to it. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, thank you so much,
1: Morgan. I'm, I'm so excited about what you're doing and, and I loved hearing from your heart today. I wonder if there's anything else you want to share with listeners before we wrap up and will you let us know where mm-hmm. to find you online and learn more about your Seven Centers practice?
0: Sure. So uh, my company's name is Mind's Eye Guidance, and it's spelled M-I-N-D, and then P-S-Y. Um, little pun there. And you can find me at mindseyeguidance.com. And I currently, I think that this is supposed to air in May. So once that happens, we'll have enrollment up and running for both individual curriculum. Um, That includes daily meditations and, you know, helping to get to know your center on a more intricate basis. We've got a self-paced online curriculum that you can get involved with. And we also have the group spaces as well as individual sessions with me to deepen that process as well. So you can find all that at my website and I look forward to connecting to all the people listening to this. Wonderful. I will add
1: a link to MindSci Guidance to our show notes so everybody can find you. Thank you again for joining me and for this conversation. Thanks Leilani. Thank you for listening. I would love to hear anything that stood out for you from this episode in a comment on the show notes at turningseason.com episode 13 or on Instagram where I'm at Leilani underscore underscore Navarre You can find out more about Morgan through her website, and again, that link is on the show notes page. I'll look forward to being back with you on the full moon next month. Until then, thank you again for listening and for all the ways
0: you play your part.